0: Coming up on Man Enough. Because you are working directly with men, let's imagine this is an individual who hasn't had much success with women and he's just
1: feeling fucking mad. Mm, mm. I'd love for you to talk to that man Mm. and invite him in. The hero's journey for you is to go into your heart and do the warrior's work of feeling what needs to be felt. So what is it that you haven't, that what's beneath, what's deeper than the distraction and the anger and the resentment? The things that you seek, man, are in your heart. They're not outside. Being man enough,
2: what does that mean?
1: It's really manly
3: to mess up,
2: admit you're wrong, and then grow. I couldn't accept that I was evil. So maybe I'm broken,
0: but those broken things could be corrected intimacy between a father and a son is me just wanting to like put my head in your lap. I love you son. You haven't called me a
2: benevolent sexist but my experience is women are better.
3: Even if it's a positive it's still not equality. I don't blame men for that. I just blame the system. This
2: This is Man Enough. Hey everybody welcome back to Man Enough. I'm Jamie Heath. I'm Liz Clay. And I'm Justin Baldoni. (laughs) And I'm Justin Baldoni, who apparently has never been on set before, and I'm wearing a white shirt. Everyone knows you're not supposed to wear white because the cameras wash you out. I'm sure our DP can, can attest to that. Why are you wearing a white shirt, Justin? Um,
0: Because we have a dark background.
2: Oh, did you just call me out like you know more than me, I guess? Oh,
0: I just, you know. That's just the truth. But what were you saying? Well, because I was wearing
2: a white shirt once, and they were like, "Take your white shirt off because- but Yeah, it, I mean, you sometimes you don't
0: want to wear white shirts when you're like being right. lit heavily, but we have very little lighting on this show. Mm-hmm. I see. Like Liz is literally our lighting. Like, <laughs> she like she she reflects the light to all of us.
2: Look at her. Look at, um, um, I'm
3: wearing color to make up yeah. for everyone. Justin,
0: since you're recently back with us
2: and we've missed you for a little while, and this is like, you know, the, this first few episodes that you've done since your little break,
0: um, Remind the audience what we do here. That's a great question, Jamie (laughs) Heath. We talk, we talk. Man Enough is an exploration of what it means to be a man, but more importantly, what it means to be a human.
3: Mm -hmm.
0: And we talk about anything and everything that could potentially correlate to being human Mm -hmm. and existing in this world. As a male identifying masculine person, Mm -hmm. which is one of the reasons why we have Liz Plank on the show, who wrote an amazing book, and is a expert and also is on the other end of what happens when you are a man in the world and all the harm that we can cause and also the observations that one as a woman experiences knowing men and strangely she still loves the shit, out of, love the
3: shit mm-hmm. out of men yeah and experiencing the joy and the joy yeah of men well
0: strangely um, it's, it's actually not that strangely because while
2: we can cause some harm men also contribute some wonder and and amazing things to the humanity. So you're able to witness that and not be blinded by some of the stuff we've done Mm
0: -hmm. throughout
2: history that have been not good, but not only hold us just to that, Mm -hmm. also seeing the beauty. Which is
0: actually the purpose of what this show is. Like from the beginning, I think there was a lot of conversations around like, oh, you're either a feminist or you're like pro men. It's like this binary where, and and this idea being a quote unquote feminist meant that you want to change men and feminize men and make men weak and Mm -hmm. all of these things, which I was always against. Like I've never said the words toxic masculinity for a reason, because I don't think masculinity is toxic. And this show and all of the work I've done with Man Enough was always actually Mm pro-men. But there is this narrative that can happen in the world, especially with partisan politics, where it's like, oh, well, you're trying to make us weak and feminize us, which was the opposite of what our intention was. I wanted men to become fuller, happier, more joyful humans so that we could show up in the world as better people and also create a safer place for women. Because Beautiful. as I've said many times, like if, you know, if we can't learn to be safe spaces for ourselves, then the world will never be a safe space for anybody.
2: And one of the ways we do that
0: is, of course, we talk about it amongst ourselves, but we also bring special guests on. So this is a really really special episode for me and I and I by the way I very much appreciate these last few episodes you guys being okay with me bringing on mm. people that I love um, All stars deeply. yeah and today is there's a man here with us who I view as a, a role model mm-hmm an adjacent father figure actually, even though he might not know that. Somebody who has impacted my life in such a profound way because of the father that he was to somebody that I loved deeply. And because of that, I just have so much love for him and I'm sure I'm gonna get very emotional during this episode, but I've been wanting John Wineland to come on this show since we started the show. Mm. And I'm so happy that he's here with us today. John Wineland. What's up, John? Who, for anybody who doesn't know, Liz is gonna mention all the great things that John has done, but to me, John was the father and is the father of Claire Wineland, who I was so privileged to know and make documentaries about, who inspired me to make the movie five feet apart which was really based on a story that she told me that we made together and she passed just before i could show her the movie mm. and john and i have had a, a, a kind of a soul relationship and friendship since we met
1: and i'm so happy that you're here with us yeah, today thank you, man so so glad to be here thank you for having me thank you, mm-hmm. thank, yeah, you guys so all thank you for having me
3: Thank you for being Liz, here. Yes, yeah, so John it. is an LA-based speaker, men's group facilitator. He is a teacher in both guiding men and women in their practices of life purpose, masculine leadership, relational communication, and spiritual and sexual Intimacy. We are so excited you're here. We have so much to talk about. And you're wait, are you, you
1: Austin based now? I'm Austin based. Now. Austin yeah. based now. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
3: yeah. So, yeah. so we'll correct that. We're really, really happy that you're here. We talk a lot on this podcast, and you do a lot, and you really walk the talk. And so, this episode will be filled with really practical yes. advice um, mm. for people who are looking to really change their lives. Mm.
0: John is like the living embodiment of what man enough is. Mm. Like, that's how I view John. Mm -hmm. Like, what the work that we do on this show, we're trying to reach men. Mm -hmm. John has been doing this work for, what, 20 years now? 20 years, yeah. 20 years now with a goal of having 10,000 men's groups around the world in process and practice so that men can show up and be not just better men, for themselves, but for the people in their lives, mm. which mm. is such a fucking awesome <laughs> worthy thing. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. Excuse my language. No. Yeah. yeah, yeah, no, men's groups, I mean, men's groups to me are the vehicles for delivering the nourishment that men need mm-hmm. so that they can show up. I mean, there's all kinds of other forms of nourishment, but one that's been missing, you know, and one that we've had, you know, for hundreds of thousands of years is men sitting in circle together, just kind of soaking, each other up and mm-hmm. giving each other wisdom and challenging each other and holding each other. Um, and something actually happens biologically and um, physiologically, but also emotionally and spiritually when men, you know, can just sit and mm-hmm. hang with yeah. no specific agenda other than. Deepening, relaxation, and nourishment. So men's groups are, are the vehicle that I found are, are the most, you know, potent for for mm-hmm. giving men the nourishment they need so they can go home and be good fathers and be good husbands and be good role models in their community. Yeah. Taking men out of the side to side friendships.
3: Mm-hmm. Right.
1: Yeah. And forcing them into the more face to face friendships, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. No
0: distractions, no alcohol, mm-hmm. no sports, mm-hmm. 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 you know, yeah, no video games. It's like just sitting. Yeah with each other, which for me, have been some of the most profound experiences I've had yeah. with other men yeah. is in those relationships. But before we start, yeah. because I do remember the first question.
3: <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's been so long, Jake. maybe so long. a so long. You're no stranger to vulnerability. Mm. Yeah. yeah. We yeah, always no, we ask. Let me just yeah. keep this close. When uh, <laughs> I always joke, like, I feel like Man Enough
1: should be sponsored by Kleenex. Yeah, yeah.
0: Uh, when was the last time you didn't feel enough? Mm.
1: I mean, you know, I think it happens daily in some kind of habitual um, way, right? And I was thinking about this when I was when I was waiting to come on, that just how how much pressure our body has to sort of settle into the kind of homeostasis of just doing mm-hmm. and being and taking care of things. And so I'm, I'm sure it happens daily, but I think on a grand scale, probably, you know, I went a good year without really um, – Oh, it wasn't quite a year, but, I, you know, I, I consistently come back to grieving Claire, right? I mean, yeah. it's just one of these open wounds that never heals. And and yet there's so much freedom and so much joy and I can feel her free as free as a bird, right? But I think I went, I went quite a while without really tapping into that grief. Um, and recently I just, I had another moment that mm. kind of hit me out of left field. I can't remember what it was. What was it? What was it? Oh, I was at Burning Man. Mm. I was at Burning Man, and something about just being out there in the desert and feeling—oh, you know, what? Here's what it was. I, I, you know, Claire was an artist. Yeah, right. She was. She like made art of everything. And I had this moment where I was, you know, riding my bike at night, and and I thought, oh man, she would have just loved this place. And then I got hit with this wave of grief that I could never show it to her. Mm. You know that that um, e- even if I could have taken her out on the dust-filled desert floor, you know, I, I didn't get the chance to show it to her, and, and I and that just for some reason that just like whacked me, and I you know went out into the desert by myself for a good thirty minutes and just bawled and mm-hmm. you know and, and talked to her and told her you know she can experience it through me, <laughs> but but yeah, I think it happens. I think it happens. You know, habitually. Yeah. With you know, and this is the the real work for men is to learn how to feel. Right. Um, If I was going to break down what I think men need to practice, it's awareness and feeling sensitivity. And those are things that those are actually guys think sometimes that those just happen or you're born with or but they're actually skills. Yeah, mm-hmm. They're actually skills. You can practice being more heart aware. You can practice being more aware of the space you're in. You can practice being more aware of what's true in your heart or mm-hmm. another's heart. And these are actually kind of somewhat yogic, meditative, martial arts skills that men have practiced throughout the years. And I think modern men are just starting to wake up to Mm -hmm. this possibility of having a a more finely tuned instrument of feeling, Mm. you know, not just sensitivity as in being, you know, but sensitivity so you can feel the ripples of what you do in the world Mm. and what you do in a room and what you're doing in a relationship. And and that's Mm. a skill that I think men can learn and are hungry to learn. Mm -hmm. Mm.
2: You're listening to the Mad Enough Podcast. We'll be right back. All right, welcome back to the Mad Enough Podcast. Can you share, um, as we talk about you and the work you're doing, um, we've mentioned Claire Mm -hmm. often or so much on the podcast already, but would you give us a bite size of who Claire was, Mm. continues to be? Because I think what speaks to who you are, oftentimes if you want to know someone, you look at the fruit that they bear. Mm. And one of those fruits of yours is Claire. Mm which speaks to now the man that you are because of what
1: you've given her and given the world. So why don't you just share a little bit for those who may not know who Claire was. Yeah, yeah. Claire was my daughter and uh, is my daughter. And she died in 2018. Justin was there at the hospital the, the week she died. And... Um, uh, but her legacy of being an outspoken advocate for children with special needs is just kind of continues to ripple out into the world. And one of the things that I'm I so appreciative of is Claire made it impossible for me not to feel. Like, I think I would have died if I did not or, or, or you know, killed myself or drank myself into a stupor or done something really stupid had I not been forced because of Claire's situation in her life to actually show up in front of a group of men multiple times a week and just bawl my eyes out and and be held by 40, 50, 60 guys in that. And so Claire kind of was a gift in that sense that she made me learn how to feel what I would consider to be the most immense pain that a father can feel, which is, you know, your your child is dying and there's Mm. nothing you can do about it. And then she also kind of took the things that I was studying and I was working on and, and we would have these great conversations about making art out of pain and, you know, and she just, I was just talking about what I was learning and what I was learning from my teachers. And then all of a sudden she took that stuff and started to make it real, you know, by decorating her hospital room and by like, you know, starting, you know, a YouTube channel where she would talk about her illness. and. We had this interesting symbiotic relationship where I was learning from her, she was learning from me. We were just as much best um best friends as as um like we just enjoyed each other so much. I posted this video recently on the anniversary of her passing of us trying to sing a song in the hospital um, and her, you know, editing it. And it was just so messy and awkward, but she she edited it together and made it so beautiful and fun. Claire, first and foremost, in my mind was an artist who uh, took the pain that she was experiencing and made beauty with it. And in doing so inspired lots of people, you know, and, and uh, just became this magnet Mm. <laughs> for people yeah. like Justin and others that just like were like, what is that? Mm-hmm. And and you know, and I had something to do with that, but there was such divine force in her life that that you know I had nothing to do with. It. You always called her a little Buddha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She was. She used to. Uh, I've been a Buddhist since I was a kid, and I used to sit with her in my lap while I would recite, you know, my morning prayers, and and always calmed her down. It always, you know, it always uh, just chilled her out mm-hmm. by her bedside. I mean throughout the years, I, I, I would always chant by her bedside. And, mm. and I, I like to think that did something, you know, in the, in the moment you don't know. In the moment it was more for me mm. than her, but, but uh, I'd like to think it did something.
2: And so I don't think, think it, that we had mentioned earlier that she had lived with cystic fibrosis. fibrosis all her life, And, yeah. it was, um, yeah. and she was, did a lot of, um, shed a lot of light for those that hmm. followed her YouTube channel mm. and then went viral other people that could not feel so alone yeah. because of how she embraced it and how she shared yeah. it. And, and she, she was the, funny as shit. So funny. She was so funny. She
0: said yeah. everything that you were thinking that you yeah. Maybe yeah. didn't yeah. let yourself say. And she used her the fact that she's dying yeah. as like the icebreaker mm-hmm. to just disarm everybody and anybody. Yeah. But real quick, because she's such a huge part of my life still, and this feels like she's very much sitting here, one of the most I would say profound experiences i'd say top 10 experiences i've ever had was at claire's funeral and it ties into the conversation around masculinity in this work the family had asked me to speak i said a few words but i was there as an observer and anytime a father or mother goes to speak at their child's funeral it's an extremely emotional thing and i've been to too many funerals having done my last days Mm -hmm. for so Mm -hmm. long But when John took to the podium at his daughter's memorial service, I witnessed something that I had never seen before. And it's a testament to the work that he's done internally. Um, He had a group of men sitting in front of him, his best friends from his men's group. And he takes the stage. And of course he talks about Claire and her life, but he proceeds to take this auditorium Filled with, I don't know, a thousand people mm-hmm. like that, yeah. through a meditation to let his daughter go. Mm. So he takes us and he asks us to close our eyes and literally imagine Claire being set free so that we don't hold on to her anymore. And I just remember like weeping, first of all, because I was holding on to her for a few different reasons but also at like the, the strength and the bravery that I was watching her father exhibit in front of all these people because if anyone was going to have a hard time letting her go, it was going to be her dad. And here he was in this moment selflessly giving all of us permission to let her go. And it was one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen. And he gets off the stage. And as he gets off the stage, this group of men, 15, 20 men, surround him and he's in the center and it was the most beautiful masculine thing i've ever seen and they surround him in this circle with him in the center and envelop him and he kind of collapses and then they sit down and then afterwards immediately afterwards i remember this the ceremony ends and all of these men together like arm in arm go straight down they don't talk to anybody they go straight downstairs and they have a men's group directly following and this is what i mean like when i said before heat john came on i said like this is a man who's like the walking embodiment like the purity of this work i saw it in person like this is what it is surrounded himself with men the freedom to be vulnerable to weep for his daughter to lead us through this meditation and then to go down and like and to show like oh as men we can do this like we can be there for each other that's what i think the answer is I just want to share that because no, man, um, thank you. it really <laughs> was one of those moments where I just couldn't believe the beauty and the vulnerability and like the yeah. awareness of what, what I experienced that day, which I'll forever take with me. Mm. And that's a testament to your work and your yeah. men's work and your friends and your willingness. Yeah, thank you. To go there. So with that, I just wanted to I wanted to share that because it was something that I, I, I wish everybody could have been there to experience.
1: I was one that got to. Yeah. Jamie was there.
0: I'm gonna grab one of these cleaners. i let
1: me say that those guys who were there also showed up at the hospital and they were part of my first men's groups for, you know, for 20 years. And they were the guys who, when Claire went into the hospital, they would come to the hospital, they would bring food. You know, when she went into the coma, I made one phone call. And then in a few hours, there was 20 guys coming up the elevator, just, you know, ready to take me into a room like that and help hold me while we were deciding what to do. And and so that was that was built over you know, a long period of time of us just continually leaning into each other and leaning on each other. And, and uh, yeah, thanks for bringing that memory back. I'd, I'd, I'd forgotten that. I'm deeply grateful for that.
0: I'd love to dive into relationships a bit, Mm. both for men that are seeking relationships and those of us that are in relationship or marriage. Mm. I'm, I'm witnessing something very interesting, you know, having been married now for 10 years with my, with my wife for 12, Breaks my heart what I'm seeing happen in the dating world right now. I have so many friends, like Liz, like my baby sister, who's in her mid thirties now. Mm-hmm. It just feels like people are so lost. Mm-hmm. It feels like men don't know how to. This, I don't. I, again, I, I don't want to generalize so much, but because of what I'm seeing, and it could be just in the fringes, specifically on the on the coasts, mm-hmm. it, it just seems like. Men are having a really hard time committing. They're having a hard time uh, understanding, uh, should I be chivalrous? Should I buy dinner? Should I not? Mm. Am I allowed to kiss her? Do I have to ask permission? Am I allowed to touch her waist? Like, uh, there's just so, uh, there's a lot of fear. Mm. Yeah. I think fear of being canceled, fear of maybe um, not getting consent for something that maybe they thought there was consent for because mm. we're seeing so many things happen. There's a quote I love from the Baha'i Writings. Abdul Baha says, that love is a light that never dwelleth in a heart possessed by fear. Mm. And there's just a lot of fear. I think there's a lot of fear on the side. And I'm, and I'm gonna just, I'm gonna blanket statement here, mostly heterosexual relationships, I'm seeing this, because actually, believe it or not, satisfaction is much higher <laughs> in same-sex relationships. But um, heterosexual relationships, seem, they seem to be struggling mm. right now a bit. I'm seeing a lot of what I'm diagnosing as paralysis of choice. Mm. Specifically yeah. among men, yeah. Where it's like we have more options in the history A of, of the world. Where it's like, oh, there's 75 women that just swiped. How am I gonna pick her?
1: Yeah.
0: You know. Yeah. And so, so I'm, there's so much happening. Yeah. And I, I summarize all this by saying, like, uh, you know, my marriage, we Emily and I have had our ups and downs, like every every marriage and every relationship. But here I am, 10 years into our marriage, and my wife and I have these moments nearly daily. Where it's like, holy shit, this is, feels amazing. Mm-hmm. We're falling more and more in love. We are closer physically than we've ever been. TMI. The sex has never been better. Mm-hmm. Talking about ten years, mm-hmm. and it's just like we're like, what, what the fuck is happening? Mm-hmm. And so much of that is because we have our space. She has her women. Mm-hmm. I have my men. We do individual therapy, then we come together mm. and we explore the things that we're learning in real time with each other. Mm. And there's always a conversation of how we can show up better, what she needs, what, what I need. There's always, and, and I'm seeing so many people want this. Yeah, You know, Jamie and Natasha have a very similar thing. And so many people want this and they don't know how to get it. And right now the barriers are very large. There's a lot of obstacles in the way to get this. So I know a lot of men come to you in marriages that are like they're about to lose their partner and also single. Can you just walk us through some of what you're observing and also some of what the solution can be? Because, you know, as an example, maybe there's a man who has been dating. He's 40 years old and he's single. And he meets Liz and like Liz is like everything he's ever wanted. But then for some reason he's just like, yeah, no, I don't think this is right right now. And then he keeps st- he keeps staying on the apps. Mm-hmm. What's in his way? What's in our <laughs> way? I, I don't know. I just, it's a big question, but like, yeah. what the fuck? Yeah. yeah. Because I can't have, I can't even tell you how many conversations. It's just like, I mean, there's we have friends that stop coming to me and Jamie. Yeah. Because we're like, dude, we're just like... <laughs> Like she's right, yeah. <laughs> they don't wanna hear it. He, yeah. yeah,
3: And they're not happy either, by the way, right? What you're saying is they're not like thriving in this environment. No, they're not, of, and yes. yet
0: they can't, right. they- Get out of it. They, they Yeah, because it's, it's almost as if we've set ourselves up to fail and I see these amazing men and I see these amazing women and they're right there, they're mm. like an inch away. Mm. Yeah. So how, how do you lead them through, both because I know you work with women and men. I know you work with couples together. Mm -hmm. I know you also just work with women, which is amazing too. Yeah, yeah. Can you just walk us through, I guess, some of anything that comes to mind? Yeah, Yeah, what are the common things that are getting in the way right now? And what are you seeing? And what
1: are you doing about it? I mean, you think about the apps, they are dopamine laden, like they are work. They're they're designed designed to be. They're like Instagram on steroids, right? So dating apps can be incredibly addictive and um and what i'm finding you know is that men are coming after a period of dating and dating you know beautiful women are trying falling in love and having it not work you know pain is the great motivator yeah uh, you know and so when they do come to me there's usually i i have this sort of three-pronged approach to beautiful relationships the first is intimacy Just being able to feel sameness, right? And and oneness together. The second is what you you talked about with Emily, which is this, you know, the devotion to your partner's safety, devotion to your partner's nervous system. And then the third is the arc of sexual polarity that happens when we're not the same, Mm. when there's a, you know, when we're different and we animate and celebrate the differences. And you put those three together and you have a really juicy experience. Normally, if they're in a relationship, I'll just set, lay that out. I'm going like, which, which pillar is, you know, is broken or cracked or shorter than the other. Um, and we'll kind of dive into that because all of the intimacy and all the great sexual chemistry doesn't mean crap if there's no safety. Yeah. And if there's not continual capacity and dedication to their nervous system, not just your own. So in relationship, that's kind of where I go. And, and like your experience, I find lots of men who are 10, 15, 20 years with her partners, the the moment they start to do the things that you're talking about, things get better. Sex is deeper, there's more trust, there's more love. Mm -hmm. So that's in relationships. The issue I see with a lot of men is this feeling capacity, that there's a sense of being able to be aware of what will lead the moment into deeper love. What will at any point in a relationship, I'm sure you and Emily have co-created this where you're like, okay, our love needs this Mm -hmm. and our love needs this, right? And you kind of come up and you you have to-
0: Well, in a a long marriage with kids, you have to reinvent yourself. Uh, Yeah. Every yeah. few years, sometimes every six months. Yeah. Like, yeah. we're not gonna be the same people in three months or six months or two years that right. we were. And so you're all, it's like an ongoing dialogue.
1: Yeah. So it's a sensitive, I, I, I'm gonna come back to awareness and sensitivity just yeah. to make it super simple to be aware of what's happening in the field of your life, your relationship, and to be sensitive to what, you know, fixing it might look like. But for the, for the men who are single and kind of figuring it out, I mean, I, there's all, it's, it's a case-by-case case analysis, but some of the threads I see is there's too much stimulation. stimulation. And so what I will often have men do is a six-month cleanse where they just do not date. They, they take relationship off the table mm-hmm. and they literally just focus on building their own life, their own castle, their own, they, yep. they, 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 they so no flirting, no apps, no like just no dates, no, you know, intriguing friends, like just you're, you basically just go into discovery mode and really find out who you are. And it's, it's, it's I've done it a few times. It's a, it's a beautiful practice and it's a beautiful reset. Mm. The other thing I'll have men do is to go back through their past relationships and really look at the patterns that they brought into their past relationships, kind of above and beyond a 12 step because I have mm. tons of experience with those inventories, but, but above and beyond a relational inventory and to go back and to literally unhook and repair and make things right. So Mm. that there's this sort of recognition of the bullshit we've asked people to put up with. Mm. And in general, what I see with men who want to be in relationship, but are struggling to find it, is that there's some piece of their own uh, heart's truth that they're not really living in. Either they're not living a lifestyle they wanna live or they're settling for some kind of, work that they don't really love. You or, talk about this in your book. Yeah, I talk yeah, about it a lot. Yeah. Yeah, I talk about wow. it a lot. And and so finding that what ne- what needs to happen so that I am magnetic to the kind of woman that I would want to or partner that I would want to attract into my life. And that that is where men's groups come, because men can sit down and you can go, okay, okay, what would make me magnetic to this type of partner that I want? And they'll go, okay, well, here's your 12 point, you know, action plan for the year. Go work on these things. And we'll feel how you're doing. And then when we feel like, okay, you've hit a certain point, we'll like, you know, you you'll have our approval of the date again. Right. And sometimes that's helpful. So I think really getting clear on who you need to be in order to attract the kind of person that you want to attract. And then getting busy. Mm. Do You need and to you lose do weight. Yeah. Do you need to stop getting high? Do you need to like make more, learn to make more money? Do you need to help more people? Do you need to feel the space more and not just be constantly self-referencing, yeah. you yeah. know? There are very specific things that men would need to become more magnetic. And it's usually not, its it's not that surprising when they really look. And sometimes it's so hard for us as humans,
0: but I think as men to be objective mm. on ourselves. Mm. And which is such is, which is the gift of like men in community with each other, mm. because I can tell you personally, like I know when I am reaching that point in my life where like I need s- some truth spoken into me, yeah, like I think we know as men, and what makes me so sad is so many men don't have any community, yeah anybody yeah. who can really speak into them because many men have their closest friends as like their drinking buddies or they play video games online or you know, they'll yeah. go watch sports together. Yeah. But I mean, how many times have we, I mean, even recently, like how many men are taking their own lives yeah. that had friends that the friends had no idea. Mm. The friends had no idea they were suffering or they were, they were dealing with this or this. And so I think about these men who just so badly need another man to speak into them, but they don't have it. Because yeah. we're lonely, we're like we we've isolated ourselves. Like the myth of masculinity of like the lone yeah. wolf, and, yeah. which we've yeah. debunked completely now at this point. Howard work and that right, whole thing it's yeah. like yeah. We, we we need that because when I'm at my lowest, which you know I just I I had an experience not too long ago where I was at probably the lowest point in ten years. What was the first thing I did? I didn't reach out. It wasn't my wife. It wasn't. It was I reached out to my best friends, and I got myself. With a group of men, and I had them pour truth into me. Mm. And truth is not always what you want to hear, mm. but it's what you need. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what I just crave and desire for men, especially the men that are lonely, that like are blaming women. Yeah. Right. We have like the quote unquote yeah. incel yeah. world where they're like blaming women for their loneliness. Yeah. When it's like what they need is other men, not to be like, oh, yeah, we're the victims, but what we need is other men to, To pour into us and pour into truth and sharpen us.
1: Yeah,
3: yeah.
0: And until you experience that, like,
1: it's fucking magical. Yeah, it's life-changing. You
3: know, so much of also, as I'm listening to you guys talk, so much of what is pushed in terms of the traditional masculinity pressures actually go against, I think, what most men want in their lives. Mm -hmm. And, like, sex, to me, is the perfect example of that, where a woman can tell when a guy is not connected, Mm -hmm. right? And, like, Mm -hmm. that will not often lead to a great, you know, sort of physical mm-hmm. exchange there. Yeah. Um, and when a man is connected to himself, when a man is connected to you, it just makes that physical intimacy so much better. So yeah, do you feel like this also impacts men in their, you know, in the bedroom in, totally. in ways that they, they're like, I want the opposite of that.
1: Totally. It's got multiple <laughs> chapters about yeah. Yeah. Let's Let's get get it, what you, Yeah, what you will find is what, wh- how you show up in the bedroom is likely how you show up in the world.
3: Wow.
1: So if you yeah. check... If you're pleasure-seeking, right? You're just, you know, like, gimme, give gimme, give gimme. Give that's t- probably how you relate in the world. Mm-hmm. If you check out, right? Or if you're shallow, you're breathing shallow, you're feeling shallow, you know, if you're having shallow sex, or if it's just physical and it's not heart-based and energetically deep, um, that's pretty much how everybody's feeling you in the world. So in my programs is, you know, it's so easy to point out, like somebody, a a woman will give a man feedback and say, well, I I would need to feel you, I need to feel more fierceness in your heart. And then I ask everybody, would you guys like that from him too? And they're all, yeah. And, and so, <laughs> so it's so clear, it's so clear that that, that that our relationships and in particular our sex is such a beautiful portal and mirror as to how we're showing up in the world.
3: Yeah, yeah, that's such a great point. Yeah,
2: You're listening to the Mad Enough Podcast. We'll be right back. All right,
0: welcome back to the Mad Enough Podcast. So what do you think, because okay, okay, when we first did the podcast, we talked about like, we're all at different stages, right? There was a lot of conversation when this podcast came out a couple years ago that like, we were way too advanced. There were so many men that were just like, hey, I just, I don't don't even know what I'm feeling. Like you Mm. guys are talking about crazy stuff. Mm. We were like calculus. (laughs) Um, I was terrible at math. So that's, Mm -hmm. you know, for me, it was like calculus. (laughs) So what I described, I think is master's doctorate (laughs) of like, okay, this is where you can get to. Mm. What about all the men who are just fucking lost right now, mm. who don't know where to go, what to do, if and what they're feeling, mm-hmm. who go from relationship to relationship, maybe are not the best men or partners in certain relationships because they don't know how to be with themselves, what, or men that are addicted to things or gaming or alcoholism or whatever. Mm-hmm. There's so many men right now that are searching for
1: connection. Yeah, What's the like starting place? Where do we start? Yeah. I mean, that's why men's group, you know, men's groups for me are the place to do it. And it's, you know, like, like all great transformations, it starts on the fringes. And if you search now versus five or 10 years ago, you'll see so many more searches for men's groups. And how do I start a men's group? And where do I find a men's group? And, and so having, you know, communities in various modalities, some of them therapeutic, some of them mythopoetic, some of them, you know, yogic embodied more like I am, and just giving men lots of options to find men's groups. So a guy can actually get online and go, where do I find a men's group or how do I find a men's group and start there? You know, that's more available. And I think that's only going to become more and more available. And thank you for your work and giving me a chance to pound the table about men's groups. But, but above and beyond that, I think it's such a simple thing. Um, breathe, Mm -hmm. learn to breathe. And I know there's guys out there. I mean, what the fuck? You know, I want to to breathe, you know? Um, but it, it, that is the key. Learning to breathe is the key to feeling more, to regulating your nervous system, to becoming less reactive, to being, you know, to living in more equanimity, to being able to, you know, to traverse life storms. If the only skill, I wish they would teach this in school, they should be. They, they, they should people. teach like how do you breathe so that your nervous system can get downregulated, you know. Um, so that would be those would be two things. One that anybody can just jump in and start doing now. There's a book. There's a great book uh, by James Nestor called "Breathe," mm-hmm. which goes through why it's so important, and he just lays it out the the most beautiful biological, physiological, emotional argument that can be made.
3: What do we I, get wrong about breathing? How are people not breathing correctly? Are men not breathing?
1: shallow? So first of all, it's it just it becomes they're just unaware, right? They're just unaware that most of the day they're breathing into their chest Mm -hmm. and not breathing into their bellies. I mean, I wrote a book on this, and this was a huge piece about just breathing into your lower abdomen does so much for your nervous system and so much for your body and so much for your brain chemistry. So breathing deeper, slowing down. Right, learning to you know take a breath in between you know sentences, um, but basically we we need to learn to breathe more deeply and more slowly. I I think I've shared this before on the podcast, twelve years ago or so when I met my
0: wife, she reflected this to me. I didn't know this, but she'd always hit me. She'd be like, "Hey, breathe," mm. <laughs> and I didn't know this, but I'd spent my entire life holding my breath. And what would happen, I was completely unaware, is I would start to make this like, <laughs> this super high pitched low sound that I didn't hear. Yeah. And she'd be like, what the, What are you doing, what is it?" Because she, she wouldn't know where it was coming from. And I'd be sitting there and it was quieter than that. And she would notice it. She'd be like, you're not breathing. And she would be telling me over and over again to breathe. Yeah. Yeah. And I didn't know that I wasn't breathing because I was living
1: in fight or flight. Yeah, yeah. For So I was 30. That's what most men are doing. They're living in fight or flight. Women too, but men in particular are living in fight or flight. And you bring up another great point to your question, um, Liz, is that ask if you are in a partnership, go to your partner and say, what would you need from me in order to trust me more? Mm. And un- unless you guys are just it, in a horrible true. space, yeah. right? Yeah trust her like she'll say breathe Mm. (laughs) you know she'll say breathe man she'll say you know slow down she'll say you know maybe you know cut down on the video game She'll, she'll actually the feminine heart is such a beautiful oracle for what just like just you know like your wife pointed out like when you're not breathing they'll see and if we pay attention and we revere their feedback rather than take it as criticism and get defensive or reactive they're actually just wanting us to deepen Yeah. That women are just wanting us to ground and deepen and then, you know, do the right thing from there. Uh, We could do a whole bunch of great things, have, you know, great uh, foundations and do all kinds of public work and be good. But if we can't actually like be in the moment or Mm -hmm. in our body, they're not going to trust us. And they, they probably shouldn't.
3: What -hmm. are other questions to ask your partner? That's such a good question. (laughs) It's so outside of the box and it's, it's such a question that not only opens it, it opens both partners, right? Yeah. Up to to something. Yeah. Yeah. Are there other great sort of prompts?
1: Yeah, I mean, well, you know, f- from from the masculine side, you know, what what would what would you need to trust me as one? What would you need to feel me more? would be another and oftentimes there's very simple answers like I'd need you to lift your heart a little bit or I'd need you to speak more slowly or I would need you to soften your eyes or I'd need you to look me in the eyes I mean there's always things we can do with our bodies you know our bodies are the transmitter of love and consciousness and if we're if we're getting feedback on how to more gracefully and artfully use our bodies we can create deeper connection very fast you know we can down regulate our partner's nervous system so what would you need to feel me more what would you need to trust me more and then i i would say to anybody giving that feedback like don't hold back okay and be specific Mm. be specific so it's like it's got to be something he can actually do it's not like i would need you to um you know, make me feel more, dot, 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 dot. Uh, you know, Got it. how does he do that exactly? Right. So, so yeah, I get, I think that this sort of, get, and this, I do a lot of co-ed work, right. And and yeah. these are sort of questions that couples ask each other and then dive into what that would actually look like in a moment in a body. Wow. Yeah. Wow.
0: So many men I've observed though, aren't even at the place where they can ask a partner that. Mm. And so what ends up happening is Maybe uh, if we're talking about heterosexual relationships here, the woman has some feedback yep. because it's like it's important, and the man just thinks of it like nagging. Mm. Yeah, right. Like yeah. this whole idea of like how we've kind of deconstructed marriage and looked at it over the last fifty years of yep. like you know the ball and chain and like. You know you still hear men over a certain age kind of make comments mm. you know about their wives and things which is just
3: like even though they get the best the biggest happiness bump and well-being of, oh, yeah. and health bump from marriage than even women do but mm. yeah
0: so, so like so there's all yeah exactly and and so many men aren't even there so how do we get there right how, how do we get to the place where mm.
1: a man can ask his partner that y- question yeah well I think I think there is a there's a responsibility f- from their partners and this is you know uh, this could be gender neutral this could be you know when I say masculine and feminine I'm talking about each human has this sort of these tendencies these attributes these traits so it's not necessarily heteronormative but speaking of man and men and women it helps a lot like men actually come to me and wake up when their partners are like, Almost it's done. totally the end. Right? Almost it's similar done. to like AA. It's like, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so I would say to women out there, right? If you are finding your man numb, or checked out, or in some kind of habitual pattern that takes him out of the world, like let it be known that you need this in order to stay, or in order to trust, or in order to f- be long term. I would need you to change this. And because um, men want to win, (laughs) you know, (laughs) they want to win. And oftentimes I see women going just as numb in the disconnection as men. Feminine partners call for help if if it's heartfelt. Yeah, and not not just like yeah. you're a piece of crap kind of thing. If it's really heartfelt, I would need this to want to give my life to you forever, or be your partner forever, yeah. or have babies with you, or that does a lot to wake a man up. I mean, unless he's just a totally checked out asshole, that does a lot. <laughs> to
0: and that's wake not him my up. experience of most men.
1: Yeah, my no, experience not. is that yeah. that most
0: men are not checked out assholes. Right. That most men have a deep desire for connection. Yeah, have a deep desire like they want to feel like I don't meet very many men who don't want to embody all of the parts of them yeah. that make them human but yeah. there's so much stacked against us that's so hard for us to get there yeah. I think that there's this misconception that like that men are not um don't want that and i i just think that that's so wrong i mean just look at besides yourself i have a few other friends that are in the men's work space and you tell me like are there more men now that are finding you every and tracking year. you down every than ever year before every
1: year every year every year the last you know 10 years every year there's been more you know it was started i'd have a group i do a training every year just for men and went from six to 12 to 20 to you know 60 we had this year so I take them out into the desert and we build this camp from scratch in the desert we're there for five days just outside of death valley and we just go in you know and go into feelings that haven't been felt and things that need to be buried in the desert and and things you know we'll do a vision quest men are hungry for depth and i i wrote this in the book i was like it's not that men don't want to It's just no one's ever really taught us how I was lucky, you know, um, because I didn't have a good father role model for this. I had the opposite, but I had all these men, many of them you saw, they were like, no, 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 do this, read this book, go study with this person. Like, you know, no, let's do this. Let's start this, let's show up here and literally guided me. And I think part of my life purpose has really been like to pay that forward mm-hmm. because not every man is as lucky as I was. That you saw that 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 was a lot of luck and yeah. also you know uh, just a good fortune. Let's call it. So
0: your entry point to this work, I'm assuming you know having having um, read your work, are we talking about like Iron John? Are we talking mm. about you know mm. David Data, who is your teacher?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think, you, you you know, sample it all, Yeah, sample it all. Like there's, there's, you know, now you can get on Amazon and read, you know, two dozen books on men's work, men's and men in relationship. There's all kinds of approaches to it. I try to take what I learned from many different modalities and kind of craft my own, what has worked formula, both for me and the men that I've taught. So I think, I think there's, it's out there. I mean, so yes, you're right. Guys don't know where to start. They don't even know that it's there if they wanted to look for it. Yeah. Right. Usually, their partner will put, you know, will yeah. put a book on the nightstand and say, "Oh, you should read this." Um, and it's also scary. I think it's yeah. okay. Like, yeah. it's it's
0: scary to get to the place in your life where you're like, "Oh, I need to make a change." Mm. And you Google. I'm just imagining a man googling like men's groups near me. Yeah or yeah. men's works near me. Yeah. We were talking earlier and and, and Jamie you haven't spoken much but I, I want to I, I want to just bring something you would. we were talking earlier about the buzz words uh, trigger words around men's work mm-hmm. and men's groups.
3: Yeah, that people who are committed to a reimagining of masculinity that is positive and wonderful and Mm -hmm. and, and sort of joyful. And then it's also been a buzzword in like the manosphere and the, you know, sort of Andrew Tate world or worlds with an S right there. There's a lot of varieties out there, but Mm. it's yeah. How do you know? Like I was in a Uber the other day and like this uber driver was like listening to a tape that was like half of the time i was like oh you know it was like masculinity is so important and Mm. being a devoted man is and i was like yeah listen to this guy and then it'd go like down another and then being disciplined and being powerful and being Mm. and then i was like wait a minute so i couldn't and I think this is representative of where a lot of people are at, but, but I think a lot of men are, are sort of pulled in those opposite directions and some end up in mm. one camp, some end up in the other camp, yeah. some end up just being lost and not knowing you know, where yeah. to go. Yeah. So yeah. How do you know that you're like doing good, doing <laughs> the, good, the men's good work? work? Yeah. yeah. yeah.
1: yeah. Um, and,
3: and what's the difference? <laughs> okay. And, and even like, how I do would, you know
0: you're not in the wrong? Yeah. yeah. yeah.
3: yeah. But, but also like, <laughs> what do you think that the manosphere Andrew Tate is a cure from, right? Like it's a medicine for something, right? And I'm well, kind of what, what we're you, talking yes. about
1: disempowerment, exactly. men, men feel disempowered and Andrew Tate gives them a certain kind of empowerment that, mm-hmm. you know, that I would not call healthy in, in the least. To answer your question directly, it's, it's their partners. Their partners make it really clear if they are more present, more open, more devoted, more reliable, more in integrity, right? And 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 I think you can just start to feel because I have many people who are in my groups for three, four, five years, and it usually takes. I mean, you got to think these are epigenetic patterns passed down from father to son to fa- many generations. So unwinding the karmic, you mm-hmm. know, kind of crunchy embodied stuff that a lot of men are carrying takes a few years of real work. And over the course of a few years, you'll actually see men be more open, more integral, more reliable. I try to talk about uh, this new paradigm, which is moving from accumulation, warring, winning, right? Which has been the masculine paradigm for most of history, right? And I'm I'm generalizing, of course, but for most of our, in this culture, right? And moving from that paradigm to a paradigm of presence, And liberation. And when I talk about liberation, I'm talking about liberating love, liberating consciousness. And so this new masculine paradigm is about liberating love and liberating consciousness. And I think you can see that when somebody's really walking the walk. And in groups, there are groups out there, not just Andrew Tate, but there are other groups who kind of have that. They're not liberating love. They're not. They're not liberating consciousness. They're not, they're they're still in, it's just a newfangled, more empowered or differently empowered form of accumulation and winning.
3: Mm -hmm.
1: Get the, you know, get as many women as possible, get as much money as possible, get as much status as possible. And that's a really clear way to distinguish, I guess, if you're looking at a men's group or is is it about winning or is it about love?
3: Mm. But Ultimately. also love win. Doesn't love make you win too, right? That, totally. That is it mutually exclusive, right? Yeah. That you can be loving and kind and still win and actually yeah. probably have a, a better win and a more deserving win and a more satisfying win. Yeah. If you well, do.
1: What I think a lot of men don't get is that you can have incredibly loving, open, juicy feeling heart yeah. and still be grounded. Right. Yeah. And still have stillness in your body mm. and still feel, you know, the infinite. And when you put those two together, you know, feeling sensitivity, which I would call the feminine in general, right? And then, you know, capacity for stillness and feeling consciousness as all of our masculine. And when you integrate those two things, you have an integration, let's call it integration of yin and yang. Hey
2: everybody. So look, for the next eight minutes, the audio is going to sound really bad. Uh, Our power went out, the mics went bad, so we ended up having to use the camera audio, which means it sounds bad. So I wanted you to know that we know it sounds really bad, but with that, it's all good. We're going to jump back in. Thanks.
1: All right, welcome back to the Mad Enough Podcast. Yeah, there's a lot of crap out there in masculine empowerment. A lot of men are in a lot of pain and they're reaching for something that will help them win. I will often get guys come into my programs who want that, And it's kind of, I kind of bait and switch them a little bit. And I'm like, yeah, but you know what? Like what if you went into your heart literally and felt your heart and then touched her or kissed her? Like what if you really felt the weight of your own heart as you kissed her? Notice what happens to her when you do that. And, And they'll see like, oh, I win. Yeah. So you know, I, yeah. I win, but I'm winning because I'm mm-hmm. a different well, in place. Yeah.
3: Yeah. So yeah. much of, of seduction, and, and Jamie, I want you to jump in, but like so much of seduction is, um, I think a lot of men come in at like you know, look at me, like what can you know, I'll show, I'll, I'll show off and perform, peacocking, come form, and, peacocking, peacocking. Yeah. and women, it's like no, see me, yeah. you know, and and when you see me is what I'm really interested in and feel connected to you.
1: Yeah. And when you really yeah. juicy it, lit up, and yeah. you know, like. Full of the stuff that makes it beautiful to be alive.
3: Yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah. Well, I am for the most part I'm just taking it in. Listen, uh I am not one that is short with the tongue and trunk I, <laughs> I think to share. I've, or, I've noticed that, or, that on previous uh, ones. <laughs> <laughs> So I'm listening, number one, because your disposition the way you speak is very relaxing. I'm interested in this and how you approach this. So I'm careful not to vilify all of us want to be careful of this. Yeah my recent consciousness is to not vilify men, to not use statements like men are suffering. Hmm. Because I think as soon as you say that to me, hmm. I get defense it. Hmm. No, not that. Hmm. Don't tell me I'm on this side of the spectrum. Yeah. Yeah. As soon as you tell someone that they're losing and they can be better from that perspective, it, you know, you get something and, and this is also being a part of twelve steps. Yeah. Oftentimes the people that come to 12 steps don't come until they are completely broken down. Yeah. But there's so many people in the middle. that are just normal, decent people doing pretty well that can use information to be better so that they don't find themselves back at school. Mm-hmm. I think men included. I think most men, as you had just said, Jay, are decent people. Mm-hmm. Most men are not abusing their wives. Most men are not mm-hmm. super racist that are trying to put their throat on people's back. And most of but there's these, I um, can't use the term blind spots, but list of other terms. They can't see some of, the, some of the obstacles that prevent them from seeing. How do we reach men that consider themselves that they don't need help? They're not like, oh my God, I'm suffering so much. And they can finally hear someone reaching out to them. I got to get all over men's group. Yeah. Yeah. How do we find the men that are trucking along, working pretty decently, providing pretty well, being decent humans? How do we get them to reach out to men's groups? Because those are the ones I feel... That we need to reach before they go back to zero mm-hmm.
1: right and identify without making them defensive yeah i think what's happened is we're at a red space in relationship history where women in general don't just want provide and protect from their partners now provide and protect and support is kind of the starting point like now presence um integrity uh depth grounded depth. Like these are all currencies that I've seen that the modern woman wants in a in a sexual and relational partner. And so what's starting to happen is women are raised apart. And that leaves men a little confused because we were taught the myth of the good husband. You know, I make good money, I'm a good father, I support her mission or her work. I show up, I take care. But she's still dissatisfied in some way at cause I'm I'm playing video games two hours a night. Or I'm, you know, and so I think well, that's that's a real oh, I wonder why yeah, yeah exactly. that, that's a that's a that's a real that, that's a real issue yeah. you know what I mean and, and I get your point about meeting men where they are not like trying to pigeonhole them that's a really good point but I, I also see um I, I I guess what I feel so much of and what I have to fight all the time myself is just numbness so when to answer your question directly presence wakes something up in men so when. More men are breathing and full with love, right? Because they're in very deep relationships with other men and living as uh, in a space of integrity. Something gets transmitted that becomes kind of magnetic. I think it's kind of you know if you do your own if you do your own inner work and you do your own work, like people kind of start to notice and go like, "Wow, like what is he did? What's he on? Like what's he doing?" Right, and I think that is how we reach alpha. those people it's like the new alpha it's yeah I, that is new alpha i would say yeah 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 so
2: yeah. that answers your question hey, Jones, yeah yeah. I've, yeah I've been a part since i was 25 uh part of meds group mm-hmm. And my experience one for the first time i was around 25 um which i had never before that mm. and then i went on this retreat with about 150 men mm. and it just blew my mind what was happening mm. And they were all decent. Some maybe were con- considered broken, but most were decent men yeah. who, for their eyes, were like, man, I could be better. Eeps. And the ways that I'm not decent are actually harming humanity, or harming my spouse, or harming my children, mm-hmm. or harming my coworkers. And it was good people. Yeah, you know. Yeah. But in those conversations, we were like, oh, man, this is where I've been suffering again. No. Yeah. Um, so since then, I've been a, a good part yeah. of them including 12 steps. Yeah. It's so powerful. The work that we do and specifically you in this case to, to help advance us. I also feel it has to always be and you keep mentioning love. So long as we are always aware that the reason why I want to be better is not just for myself, but for humanity, Yeah, you know, so, yeah. so that my family and that my friends and the people that work underneath me or above me and the side along me can be better that we're advancing yes, and it's not just self-serving because i'm actually quite sensitive to this whole self-serving stuff yeah i think it's great yeah. people got to do but eventually people were in therapy for 10 years yeah. and they're constantly trying to find themselves and be good 20 years and 30 years and it's all about themselves and then yeah. they die and it's like i was always looking for my happiness great it was right, right. in front of you the whole time yeah my thought is like you have to find that so that you can then yeah help not just be good but but you know share the seeds and then till the soil yeah. So that other trees grow and grow and grow yeah. right so this is i think one of the things that we do good as men is we're providers women can be as well but we're taught to be providers. that's a good thing yeah
1: um how do we provide by being better and then providing elsewhere yeah to answer your question in just a slightly different way i would also say mm-hmm. that one of the ways to reach men is for men to challenge men from a space of fierce love I'm sure you have friends, you're like, you know what? Like, I can feel this guy's holding back here. This guy's not been out. It's true. And and, and (laughs) never shares his thoughts. And the masculine grows by challenge. So if you're in a group, I'm sure you've seen it in your men's groups, that there's something beautiful that happens when you get hit by the sharp sword of like, you're numb. Yeah. But, and I, and I know there's more in there and I want to feel you more. And, you know, you kind of shake him a little bit and go, yeah, Yeah. I want to feel you. And and that also has a tendency to pierce it men's hearts.
2: While also doing this, I've wear this. Yeah. To start though with wow, oh, Man, you're doing so good. Look what you're doing. Yeah, of course. Look at all these things. And then oh you're numb over here, right? So then mm-hmm. then they can receive that and not feel defensive. Yeah, of course. Um, yeah. so that's really important that we do that. Yeah. Yeah. Oftentimes I think men, in my experience, don't feel that first
0: true.
1: All right, welcome back to the Man Enough Podcast. I'll tell you a story. So my men's group that I was with, Claire must've been 15, 16, and I was really starting to get going in my career, and I wanted to like start my own men's program, and and Claire was in the hospital every few months, and, and I would show up at my men's group, and I'd be like, oh, like, I'm like, I wanna like, I wanna be free to like, start to live my purpose and do these things. And I, and I have to go to the hospital every few months and be in there for three, three weeks. And it's just like, I was just bemoaning my life situation. And today. some of it was also because she wasn't listening to you and following the protocols. Uh, well, some because... of that, some of that was, some of that was true. <laughs> but, but you know, that was just, that's just Claire. But, but, yeah. but I, I was bemoaning. I'm saying I need to be free. And I was like coming to my men's group with all these plans of programs I was going to start, <laughs> things I was going to do and get my business rolling. And they were like, no, no, no. Your job right now is to practice what you preach with your daughter Mm. in the hospital. You do not start anything until she is 18- and I didn't start anything until she was 18, and and they like kept directing me. No, 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 you want to be a men's teacher? Like, here's your here's, here's work. your work right now. Like, go to the hospital, you know, be present with her, you know, breathe there, meditate there, teach, meditate with her, like, show up, make enough money, like, be a man, <laughs> so mm-hmm. to speak, you know. And it was the best advice I could have gotten. because Wasn't what you wanted to hear. No, no. Yeah. I wanted yeah. to hear like, no, be free and, you know, like do your thing and she'll understand. And and, and when she turned 18, I sat down and I said, look, look, baby, like I'm, I'm, I'm actually going to start spending more time traveling and more time doing my things. And she was all in on it. Mm. But uh, yeah, you're right. Men, that men need, we cannot see our own bullshit. Yeah. I mean, it's true for all humans, really. We need people around who are going to both support us and call us out, and and that's what good men friends will do. Good good women friends do. I, mean, I wonder if that's like one of the um, we talked earlier about how to know
0: if you're in a good men's group or mm-hmm. if you're doing men's work. Yeah. I wonder if one example or like you know a, a barometer test would be, are you in a group that's just validating how you feel? Mm-hmm. Or are you in a group that's challenging you and mm. and not letting you be a victim? And I would say if you're in a group that's just making you feel better mm-hmm. and saying, "Oh, you're fine." It's yeah. the world. Yeah. It's the women. Right. It's the this. It's the this. Like right. like otherizing the problems and and centering yourself. I would say you're probably in the wrong group. Mm-hmm. Mm. I would say that you want to find a group that, of course, can hold your pain, but hold you accountable because you're a Participant in the pain. Yeah. yeah, yeah. They recognize your patterns. Yeah, and if, they don't well, it, stand exactly, for them. Exactly, yeah. right? Yeah. If
3: so and so keep doing this to me, and this keeps happening to me, then that's your pattern. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's your You're you the know, common denominator. It, it, yeah. Exactly, yeah. and I think that's really a hard conversation.
0: Okay, um, we don't oftentimes do this, but uh, so one of the challenges we've had on this podcast, one of the challenges I've personally had over the last you know eight to ten years, as I've been exploring my own masculinity and then in that exploration been trying to invite others in is that yes, so many men are receptive and, I, and you know we're, we're finding so many more men find us every single year, just mm. like they find you. Mm. And yet so many women are the ones that are finding us first. Mm. So many women are finding this and then passing it off to men. Yeah. Um, and, and because you are working directly with men, I would love for you to just take two minutes and speak to an individual. And let's imagine this is an individual who, let's say was a follower of Andrew Tate. Let's say is somebody who hasn't had much success with women, mm. who struggles with relationships, who maybe plays video games a lot during the day as a way to numb himself, or maybe just has a job that he hates and he's trying on the dating apps and he's just not, it's not working. and and he's just feeling fucking mad. Mm, mm. I'd love for you to talk to that man Mm. and invite him in.
1: Mm. Yeah, yeah. I would say, brother, um, your loneliness uh, is beautiful and I see it. And feeling what's underneath all of the desires to distract, is the answer to connection and the love and connection and self worth that you seek. Mm. And so the hero's journey for you is to go into your heart and do the warrior's work of feeling what needs to be felt. So what is it that you haven't, that what's beneath, what's deeper than the distraction and the anger and the resentment, is it anguish Is it loneliness? And be the warrior who goes in and feels those things deeply and fully. And you will come out of that stronger. You'll come out of that more trustable. You'll come out of that with a deeper capacity to to give love and receive love. Mm. And so the things that you seek, man, are in your heart. They're not outside. A woman's not going to give that to you. A superior level on a video game's not going to give that to you. Money won't give that to you. There is something that happens and something that shifts when you go deep into yourself, when you go into the core of your heart and the core of your pain, and you come out the other side, something happens, something Something changes, something transforms in you. And that transformation is the key to the life that you seek. Mm. Beautiful. Beautiful.
0: The only way out is through. Totally.
1: (laughs) Yeah, totally. Mm. Totally.
3: So we're not doing the last question. You can do the last question. (laughs) Okay. Do it. What does it mean for you to be man enough?
1: Ooh, yeah, yeah. Um, I think all the things that I've been saying, right? I would like to be a man who feels what is happening in a moment, that being man enough for me means being committed to the skill set of being able to feel and be in the moment. So to stay present, to stay connected to whatever's happening, be it my emotions, their emotions, uh, their experience, my experience. And so I would say being man enough for me means living in the present moment, Mm. fully open and fully aware.
0: Mm. Yeah, That's beautiful. Well, if you're listening to this and um, you're at all drawn, any part of you, if you're able to feel it, is drawn to what you've heard uh, John talk about. Take a second and and Google men's groups near you. Google John Wineland. i would I highly suggest his last book, which I just thought was so beautiful and so thank well you, done man. from the core. yeah, thank you man I really I mean, if you whether you are single or in a partnership, even just we didn't even get into it, but even just the way that you describe, masculine and feminine as energies that it, that all of us have, mm-hmm. right? We're not just talking about men and women. We're talking about yeah. all of us because those polarities exist in every dynamic. Yeah. It's a fantastic book. He even gives 30 minutes a day you talk about, like mm-hmm. there's work that you can do every single day to become this person that you wanna be. Right. And that will influence all of your relationships, mm-hmm. your partnerships, your friendships. And so I highly
1: suggest his book. And, and where can people find you? Uh Johnwineland.com. Yeah. And you have you have or just uh, Google Claire tra- Wineland's father. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you and you've, and and you've
0: trained <laughs> and you've trained so many people now in yeah, this work. Yeah. So there's chances are there's a men's group that
1: yeah, is nearly yeah, all over the world. All, All over, over the we world. Got people in Australia, a few in Europe. I mean, and I mean, can they can they join on? Are there Zoom groups yeah, for people that they, maybe? Yeah, there's Zoom groups. I, I'm I'm probably going to start to do um, just a a, a, a bi monthly men's circle online so that mm. everybody can join. So yeah, I'm I'm going to try to I'm going to try to do that. But yeah, there's men's programs and and you offer also for women. Yeah, also um, I, I offer. I'm not doing women's programs anymore. Yeah. The last year was I did five years of it, and I'm like you know, and I, I want to like uh, be in be at home more, yeah, yeah. <laughs> be at home more and be with my girlfriend. And, you know, um, so I'm, I'm, I'm not doing women's programs anymore, but I do, I do co-ed, very deep co-ed programs and, and intensives and very deep men's programs as well. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. yeah cool.
3: Love well, that you, you want to be at home with your girlfriend. Right, she,
1: yeah, she she Locking she put her That's foot you down. down. You know, yeah, she's walking like on, teaching you. Twelve about it. Yeah. workshops a year, man. No. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah.
3: Good. Well, Good you. well thank and you for coming done. on. This so has, has been a long time coming. Thank
0: you. And, um, thank you. So nice to see you. I'm so so grateful and happy that uh you. you're able to to speak to to our listeners. Thank you, Justin. Oh, I Have so thank much thank love you, for you, man. Thank you, Liz. yeah
3: Thanks for having me. Yeah.
0: All right. um Until next time. I'm Justin Baldoni.
3: I'm Liz Plank.
0: And I'm Jamie Heath. And this is Man Man Enough.
2: Thank you for listening to the Man Enough podcast, produced by Wayfair Studios and presented by Procter & Gamble in partnership with Cadence 13 and Odyssey Company. Hosted by Justin Baldoni, Liz Plank, and me, Jamie Heath. If you like what you heard, please follow us and tune in weekly as we undefine masculinity and learn in real time. Justin Baldoni, Jamie Heath, and Tara Maholtra feinberg from Wayfair Studios, Mark Pritchard and Anna Soffeld from Procter & Gamble, and Chris Corcoran from Cadence 13 are our executive producers. Kayla Nicholson is our producer. Ashmi Elizabeth Dang is head of marketing. And Susie Landers-O'Connell is our lead editor. Thanks
1: for listening.